Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you here today. Thank you for being here. So much happening in the Christmas season, and I just couldn't get past the ministers up there in plaid. They were really, were all plaided out up there. I like that. Um, anyway, it's good to see you. Please keep track of all that's happening. Grab a bulletin. Keep track of all the activities and opportunities you have to celebrate the Christmas season at First Baptist on the Square. It's been a great season so far. We have had um, the Night of Joy with our ladies. Had a great event uh, last week. We had Operation Christmas Child. We packed about a thousand shoeboxes not counting all those from the community that came in and we shipped out. So that was really incredible. Um, then we have our Gift of Love experience next week where we give out uh, Christmas presents and help families in need. So a lot of great opportunities for you to make a difference in the world. And then I always challenge you, leverage these Christmas holidays. People are very open to an invitation to Christmas and to celebrate in the context of church life. So please leverage that opportunity, invite people here. And in particular, use our candlelight service Christmas Eve. That's a great opportunity to get people here. So all that said, glad you're here. Hope you're doing okay. Uh, last night was a rough night for some of you, and myself included, as Georgia lost. Um, but that's okay. Um, we now play the game of, well, who's going to be in the top four, and if this, and but that. But a friend of mine told me one time, he said, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. So I don't know. Maybe we're just going to lose out. But whatever. Uh, it's just football. Today, we're going to be in Numbers chapter 20. Speaking of Christmas, today is not a Christmas message necessarily. We're talking today about the devastating effects of anger. In Numbers chapter 20, as we wrap up our series on Moses, we've been looking at his life, learning some different principles. We're going to plot our own. And while it's not a Christmas message, it kind of is because we're dealing with anger. And in just a few weeks, you're going to get together with some family members. Some of them you're probably not going to like, right? So this is going to help you to control your anger as you go and spend time with that crazy uncle or your in-laws. Not mine. They're here today. I love them so dearly. Cindy's parents are with me. Um, so anyway, uh, Numbers chapter 20 is where we are today as we look at verses 1 through 13. And talk about the devastating effects of anger. The Word of God says to us, The entire Israelite community entered the wilderness of Zen in the first month, and they settled in Kadesh. Miriam died and was buried there. There was no water for the community, so they assembled against Moses and Aaron. The people quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the Lord's assembly into this wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? Why have you led us up from Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It's not a place of grain, figs, vines, and pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting. They fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord spoke to Moses, Take the staff and assemble the community. You and your brother Aaron are to speak to the rock while they watch, and it will yield its water. You will bring out water for them from the rock and provide drink for the community and their livestock. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron summoned the assembly in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock for you? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff, so that abundant water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you do not trust me to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this assembly into the land I've given to them. These are the waters of Meribah, 
where the Israelites quarrel with the Lord, and he demonstrated his holiness to them. Now, as we deal with this passage today, we're forced to deal with a problem that all of us face at one time or another, and that's the problem of anger. We all get angry at some point, at some stage or situation of life. Sometimes it's justified. Someone does something to harm us, and it angers us. It leaves us very hurt from the experience. Other times it's just minor aggravations, things that someone didn't really do to wrong us, but we got upset and angry, somebody cut us off in traffic, we get real mad about it, road rage, all that kind of stuff. But today, as we think about anger, when we have our tempers flare up, we want to learn the dangers of letting that spin out of control, how bitterness can set in, how issues that hurt our relationship with God and pull us away from the Lord can take place. We have to get anger under control because uncontrolled anger has devastating consequences in our lives. Now, before we get too far with that, anger, as you know, is a natural emotion we have as humans, right? I mean, it's just natural to sometimes have anger exhibited. It's a natural human emotion. Think about Jesus. He's perfect, the Son of God. He's incarnate as God in the flesh, and yet he was angry uh, with the money changers in the temple. Now, the difference is he was angry, but he did not sin in the process, right? So anger is not necessarily wrong. Uh, For example, we should be angry at sin. We should be angry at evil in the world, not angry at sinners. We need to love people, guide them to faith in Christ. But we should hate sin. It should anger us to see evil and hurt in the world. For example, when someone takes advantage or harms a helpless person, that should stir up anger inside of us. Anger over sin expressed appropriately is given by the Holy Spirit, and it is to be governed by the Holy Spirit. Paul said this in Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. So we're not saying today that you should never have the emotion of anger. That would be problematic. It would be a bit disturbing if we had these suppressed emotional responses to things that should trigger those types of emotions. What we are saying today is that our tempers need to be tempered. Some today have a real difficulty controlling their tempers, controlling their rage. And the Spirit of God is to be the governor to suppress that anger spinning out of control, keeping our anger and its expressions in check. Because anger left unchecked is very dangerous to our faith. Inappropriate reactions in anger cause broken relationships. They cause bitterness in our own hearts. And in the pattern of Moses, we discover that they forfeit promised lands that God would call us to in our lives. So I would ask you this. As you think about your life, and I think the answer to this is yes, has your anger ever been out of control? That it wasn't just you got angry about sin and a circumstance that was evil, but you let anger take control of your life. You exhibited behaviors because of your anger that were inappropriate. Something didn't set right with you. Something at work happened you didn't like. Something that your family upset you. Maybe even at church. Could be even this church. Something happened in the past and it caused a lot of hurt and anger in your life. Things are going to happen that make us angry. They're going to make us mad. We can count on that to be the case. The question today is, what do we do with that anger? Has it caused us to act inappropriately toward that person 
or that source of our angry feelings, or are we angry in the right way and keeping that under the control of the Holy Spirit, still exhibiting the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the character of Christ in our lives? I heard of one example, a husband, he was blown away at how his wife could keep composure in the midst of a heated argument. I mean, they would get into some, you know, fight, squabble about something, and the husband would just lose his cool, and he's all mad, he's just venting, and he's just expressing all this anger. But the whole time, she would stay under control. And he asked her, he said, how do you do that? How do you stay under control? And the wife said, I clean the toilet. He's like, what in the world does cleaning the toilet have to do? How does cleaning the toilet help you stay under control in an argument? She said, I use your toothbrush to do it. So that's how I stay under control. Now that brings us to our first point as we think about the effects of anger. Number one, I want you to see that anger leads to the abuse of others. Moses was told to speak to the rock, and then water would come forth. He would speak to the rock, water would come forth. But Moses was frustrated. He was tired of dealing with all these people who were giving him grief. Now imagine you at work. You're with your coworkers, and one person's snipping at you over here, and this one's complaining over there, and everybody's mad and disjointed and hard to get along with, and you just had enough of it, and you lash out. That's what Moses did. He was angry, and he took it out on the people. Moses never had the okay from God to lash out at the people of God. The only person who was entitled to deal with these frustrated, hard-to-deal-with people was the Lord himself. And what does God do in this situation? Amongst all their murmuring, all their complaining, the Lord shows compassion in the situation. Moses, on the other hand, did not. He decides he's going to give them exactly what they deserve. He's going to let them have it. He's been boiling with anger because these people and their constant complaints and snipping and, and fussing and griping. So he gets his bully pulpit and he lets them have it for how they're acting. He shouts at them in verse 10. Look at what it says. You rebels! Now, I don't know if some things were left out. I have a feeling there was more that could have bubbled up than just you rebels. And if nothing else, it was going through his mind, right? I mean, he was charged. He was fired up. And like Moses, I would have been angry too. I would have been frustrated. He wasn't wrong at being upset because the people were being ungrateful to God. They weren't trusting God. They weren't journeying by faith. But it was wrong in the way that Moses responded as he shouts at these people. Now, we've all been in those situations. I've even heard preachers do it. They get up into a pulpit, somebody made them mad that week, and the whole sermon is just throwing shade at one person. They're just trying to get on the attack. But it's not just preachers who do it. We all do it from our own pulpits. Call someone and let them have it. Shoot that mean text. Fire off that angry email. How many of you have been like me? You have just put down that email and I better delete that. I mean, you just know you don't need to send that out. And, and that's therapeutic, by the way. You can just type it out, hit delete. Just don't hit the wrong button and hit send, okay? Maybe do it on paper and shred it. But anyway, we fire off a mean email. We let somebody have it. We gripe to our friends. We're just letting it all out, unloading those emotions because someone made us mad, and they deserve to get what they had coming, and we let them have it. When we respond with attacks, verbal or physical, We've crossed the line of righteous anger and moved to sinful anger. 
And if you have anger that goes unchecked, you will eventually sin in your anger. Was Moses right to be frustrated? Was he right to be angry? Yes, he could have righteous anger over the people having a lack of trust in God, but he let it simmer. He let it stew, and after a while, he had just had enough, and it bubbled up, and it poured out on those people. And the same is true for us. If we sit on it, we'll stew on it, and it'll begin to consume us. We become bitter, and that spills into acting inappropriately. I mean, come on, haven't we been there? We get mad about something, somebody did something, and we go home, we think about it. We lie in bed and we think about what we should have said in that situation. And what really makes me even angry is when I think of something that was really good I should have said. I'm like, man, I missed that opportunity. If I could just go back and let them have it, I would have said this. And maybe even I'm so mad, I look for the opportunity to steer the conversation, to land my one-liner and really get them real good. And we get like that. We get frustrated. We get angry. And Scripture tells us we need to deal quickly with our anger. We've got to deal with it. We've got to get past it. We, we have that natural human emotion that, that boils up. And it kind of sometimes even spills out. But we have to rein it in, get it under control, resolve it, and move on. Listen to what Paul said again in Ephesians. He said, be angry. He didn't say don't be angry. We can get angry. It's natural. Things make us mad. And he says, don't sin. So in your anger, don't sin. And listen to this principle. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity. Do you notice the immediacy of dealing with anger? Before the sun goes down, before a day passes, get over it, move on, resolve it, put it aside. Cindy and I have tried to practice this in our marriage for the past 25 years. And uh, we try to resolve our anger before we go to bed at night. We have romantic arguments, okay? They're romantic. Because we see the sunset and sometimes the sunrise as we try to resolve our anger together. I mean, we just have to, we, it may be a late night, but we're going to deal with it so we can move on. Moses let his anger grow and fester and boil over. He let the sun go down on it. And as the sun went down on his anger, it brought him down. Because he didn't resolve the problem. So what does he do? He explodes on the people. His vitriolic words come out because he wanted to hurt them like they had hurt him. What does anger unresolved do? It leads to abusive and ungodly behavior. So the Bible says, deal with it quickly. Number two, not only does anger lead to this abusive type behavior, anger leads to self-righteousness. Isn't that true? Look at verse 10. Notice what Moses said. He said, listen, you rebels. So he's, he's firing off. He's letting them have it. And he says this, must we bring water out of this rock for you? Anger has a way of blinding us to the truth, doesn't it? That's what happened with Moses. He was blinded here. He's so self-righteous about his relationship with these people that he thinks he is able to do what God commanded. Who was going to summon the water? God. Not Moses. Moses had no power in and of, of himself, but he said, must we bring the water from the rock? Now, when you give in to rage, it happens to you what happened to Moses. You lose perspective. Common sense goes out the window. You begin to rationalize and justify your actions. You believe your actions are always right. The other person's actions and thoughts and words are always wrong, right? 
We get to a place where I'm right, you're wrong. Moses takes it even further, further misrepresenting the Lord. Look at verse 11. Then Moses raised his hand, he struck the rock twice with a staff. What did God tell him to do? Speak to the rock. Well, look, I mean, come on, guys. That's anticlimactic, right? These people needed more than just a, a verbal cue to make water come out. They needed to see him overreact to the situation and righteously do so, at least in the mind of Moses. He needed them to see his righteous or self-righteous fury. I think Moses really didn't care if water came out or not. I would think he's so mad at this point, he's thinking, y'all just go thirsty. What do I care? That'll serve you right. I would challenge you to be careful that your anger doesn't lead you to this place. When you start justifying your thoughts, rationalizing your actions, don't believe in your situation that's made you angry that you're completely innocent and the other person is absolutely wrong. I found this over the years, counseling with people in my role as a pastor, that there are more than two sides to a story, right? I mean, there's his side, her side, his truth, this person's truth, the truth in the middle. I mean, uh, Agent Rogers said it well, it's a mighty thin pancake that only has one side, right? I mean, it, uh, it, whenever you hear someone's side of the story, there's another side and another perspective. That's why two people get at odds. That's why you're, you're in this broken relationship, perhaps, with someone. You're so angry because you have your perspective of how you're hurt, and they don't believe that to be the truth. They have their version of the story, and y'all are in combat with one another. Anger leads us to this place of self-righteousness. So watch out because your anger will begin to take control of your mind. It'll start to justify things in your heart. And you will begin to convince yourself that the person who offended you is always wrong and you are always in the right. So don't fall into the devil's trap. Remember this. In relationship with the Lord, when you are wrong, what do you want? Mercy grace, forgiveness. Remember how God treated you when you were wrong. In the same way, you need to express that grace, that love, that mercy to those you perceive have wronged you. It doesn't matter about sorting out who did what. They're wrong about this. You did that. Back and forth it goes like we're in some kind of negotiation. What matters is exhibiting the character of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit. That's why Colossians 3.13 says to bear with one another, forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against another person, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 6.15. If you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. That's challenging. Because we want to say, well, God, you don't understand. Lord, you don't know what that person did. You don't know how bad I was treated. You don't know how hurt I was in that situation. There's no caveat here, though, in Matthew 6, 15. Jesus doesn't say, if you forgive others, if it's reasonable, easy to do, if it's justified, then God's going to forgive you. No, he says, you must forgive other people just as God has forgiven you. Don't let anger take you to a place of being self-righteous, that you're right, they're wrong, and there's no way to resolve the issue. The Lord calls us to be gracious and forgiving. Listen carefully. This is important. Number three, 
anger has consequences. Now, we look at verse 11, and Moses strikes the rock. He wasn't supposed to. He's screaming, he's throwing a fit, he beats the rock with a stick. Water flows. Why does it come out? By the grace of God. It's a great reminder that all we have in this life is not because of merit of favor, what we have, our perspective, the right position we hold. It's all because of God's grace or we would be in terrible trouble. Grace was present, but that does not mean there were not consequences to the rage-filled outburst of Moses. I imagine as the Lord spoke in verse 12 that Moses was wishing he could just unring the bell, if he could go back in time and relive the whole situation and not shout and not beat that rock with, the, with his rod. Listen to what it says in verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you do not trust me to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this assembly into the land I have given them. I mean, these are the moments I hate. When I act impulsively, when I say something I wish I could retract, if I could just go back in time and take it all back. But like Moses, there's a price to pay. We can't go back and relive the incident. There's no turning back. There's no uh, time to unscramble the stupidity in a single moment of unbridled passion, of unchecked anger. Moses forfeited his right to lead the people of Israel. What's the big deal if I'm mad? They deserve it. You don't know what they did. I'm right in my position. I get to act this way because of what had happened to me. What I had that was wrong in my life is justifying my behavior. Moses could try to make that same case. Yet look at the consequences. No longer could he lead God's people to the promised land. We need wisdom when we respond to something that angers us because there are consequences. We can't undo our deeds or take back our words. I remember the old illustration, maybe you've seen people do this before, but back when I worked with children and youth years, a million years ago, uh, the little illustration, you could take a tube of toothpaste and squeeze it out and you know, describe it as our words. You, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, right? You've been there when you squeeze the toothpaste. Uh, some of y'all are... Like me, you're just an animal about it, just squeeze it in the middle. Some of y'all are real delicate, you roll up the tube, and then you have a marital conflict, and you stay up till the sunrise because of the toothpaste. But anyway, you know, our words are like that. Once they come out, there's no putting them back in. We have to note today that you can't go back, and your sin has consequences. Whether you realize this or not, whether you feel justified or not, Sin always harms you. Somebody said it this way. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And that includes any angry outburst or any sin for that matter. Yes, we can be forgiven. God generously provides grace for us. As sin increases, grace increases all the more, the Bible says. However, consequences remain. Galatians 6 tells us we reap what we sow. So those consequences you reap will always bring harm and hurt in your life. So guard yourself from becoming sinfully angry. How many deer hunters in the room? Anybody deer hunter? Um, So you know this kind of situation, this picture here. These two incredible bucks. I've never seen a deer like this when I go deer hunting. Some of y'all are master hunters. 
Last time I shot a deer, it had antlers on one side, none on this side. Time before that I shot a deer, it had antlers on this side, none on this side. So I put them together on a mount. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But anyway, those who are hunters know what's happening here. Two deer try to establish dominance, and they lock their antlers together in battle. But what happens is sometimes they get so entangled they can't break free. And if they get locked up with their antlers and they can't break free, then eventually they're going to die. They're going to starve. They're going to die from that, that battle they're in. And I think in the same way, as we get into these fierce fights with others, we get so tangled up with someone else, it's a great warning to us about uncontrolled anger because just like in this picture, locking horn, horns with others will eventually bring spiritual death to us. It brings so much harm in our lives. It crushes us in our relationship with God, kills us spiritually. So I challenge you today, control your anger, deal with it quickly, and don't give the devil a foothold that he might destroy the good future that God has for you. Now some today, if not many of us, have unresolved conflict. We have anger that's just been existing in our lives. Maybe you have a conflict right now going on with someone else. Maybe there's someone who many years ago brought harm in your life. You've been angry ever since. Family problems, an employer who did you bad, some friendship that went south. It could even be that right here in this room, something happened in church life and you got divided with someone else. Look, things happen in church too, just like in any family. Maybe a decision was made and you got upset and you're, you're mad at that person and y'all don't shake hands, you go the other way when you see him coming. God wants us to deal with our anger, to resolve those relational conflicts. And I believe today that as we wrap up, that God's going to prompt our hearts to respond and deal with anger. And it's going to be really challenging to do so because this is one of those things where we like to kind of downplay it and like, well, I mean, he, the preacher said that, but he doesn't know the whole story. And because of how it happened and how bad it hurt and this and that and the other, and then we start to justify our anger and we let it continue. Because let's be honest, Moses liked being angry. He liked calling those folks rebels and smashing that rock in front of them. He, he wanted them to know he was right. And there's some of us today, we're kind of happy being unhappy about something. We're kind of finding a lot of energy from our anger. It, it gets us kind of stirred up because we were done wrong. But the Bible never speaks about forgive as long as you're in the right. The Bible tells us we need to deal with our anger. So I believe in a moment as we pray, the Holy Spirit's going to prompt our hearts and our minds. And as we pray, if it hasn't happened already, some people are going to come to mind. You're going to see some faces, think of some names, and you're going to be like, oh, no, I mean, you're going to try to dismiss it. But I believe today that's God telling you, you need to make some things right. And here's how that works. For some of you, you can't go ask forgiveness because that person's gone. Maybe they passed away, but you're still holding that anger, and maybe you need to come and make this area at the front kind of your altar and, and deal with that and pray and ask God 
to help you surrender that anger and make peace with your circumstance today. Don't let it weigh you down. Don't let it hold you back. Don't let those consequences exist in your life. For others, though, if it's someone in this room, here's what God wants you to do. As we prepare to pray and make decisions and all that, God wants you to get up from where you are, walk over to that person, and ask for forgiveness to make it right. It may be that you need to get up and walk out of this room, not to get to lunch early, by the way, but to get out and go find someone and make something right. Listen to what the Lord says to us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, Jesus says, So if you're offering your gift on the altar, now we don't have an altar, that's not our theology, but if we have a gift and we're bringing it to give it to God, so we think of material gifts as Christmas time, a wrap present. Really what we're doing, even beyond tithes and offerings, we're bringing an offering of ourselves when we come into worship before the altar of God in worship, and we're saying, here I am, God, I offer, offer my worship to you. So Jesus says, if you come basically to church, let's just translate it and put it in those terms. If you come to church and you're coming to worship and offer yourself to the Lord, and at church, we're going to interpret it that way, there you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you. Now catch that. Boy, Jesus just took it up a notch. It's not just if somebody made you mad, but if we're praying in a moment and God brings to mind someone who's mad at you, you did something, or maybe you didn't do anything. They're just, they got something against you. Jesus says, leave your gift, whatever it is, yourself, leave church, leave it there at the altar, and first go and be reconciled with your brother or sister, then come back to worship. So Jesus says, just get up and go deal with it. Resolve it because it's that important. So we're going to pray. And I believe God is going to reveal to us people that we need to go to. Happened in the last service. Multiple people that had to resolve some relational issues. I believe that's going to happen today. And already it's happening among us. All right? So let's pray. Let's ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Help us as we get angry, as we are hurt in life, to not move beyond righteous indignation, not get to the place of sin, but to resolve our issues of anger quickly, to seek forgiveness, seek to be forgiven, to offer forgiveness generously as Christ has forgiven us. Lord, help us to be careful not to let our anger turn to abusing others, to not be self-righteous and try to justify now our anger, to not let consequences come because of unresolved anger. But God, right now, to honor you, to give the gift of our lives to you, we resolve our anger and we make things right, whether that's someone in this room, whether it's someone that we need to go visit right now or call on the phone. It may be someone who has even passed from this earth. Lord, we need to forgive them and move forward in life. So Lord, we ask for your help right now believing you are now prompting us with names and faces of people. Help us, God, to resolve those matters, to put aside anger, to restore relationships, and to exhibit the character of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has given us abundant grace and forgiven us when we were wrong in every situation. So, Lord, we thank you for your help today. Thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen you're here today and need to make a decision for Christ, I'm going to come down front and wait for you. 
feel free to come and speak to me about what it means to be a follower of Christ or if you need a church family listen this is a great place to belong we're not perfect but what a great family to belong to at First Baptist on the Square so you make your way forward as well if you need to go to the Lord on behalf of some issue or some person maybe it's even a broken relationship with someone else and you want to pray for two people that you're broken over because they're in conflict come pray for them come bring those struggles right now kneel at the front deal with it let God speak to you if you need to leave this place and go make it right you go do it right now let's all stand together let's pray seek the Lord's face and let's respond to him as we pray
be justified and proven right, to have our will and our way shown forth as the truth of the other person to admit that they were wrong. Lord, help us to know today that what we're called to is grace, forgiveness. So as hard as it is, Father, we die to ourselves and we let Christ reign Father, in a moment as we leave, continue to speak to our hearts and help us this week to be sure that we keep clean accounts in relationship with other people. Help us, Father, to respond with words and actions of peace when we face potential conflict, things that would anger us this week. Help us and prompt us to be gracious and kind toward others, even when they don't deserve it. Being reminded of the grace and kindness Christ has shown to us as undeserving sinners. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll please be seated for just a moment. Thanks again for being here today. So honored by your presence. If you're a guest, I hope I have the chance to speak to you. I'll be right down here at the front as we leave.